Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two very special guests, Roberta Glass, who's been on my show many, many times, and also Phil Fairbanks, who I interviewed about his book, uh, The Politics, was it Pedophilia? Was it The Politics of Pedophilia, Phil? What right, Pedogate Primer, yeah. Politics Pedogate of Pedophilia. Primer. And uh, we, I was talking with Philip, and I came across this witch hunt narrative, and what really wanted to do a show about this book published by Ross E. Chait, C-H-E-I-T, originally published in 2014, and uh, was reading through it, and really the full title of the book is The Witch Hunt Narrative, Politics, Psychology, and the Sexual Abuse of Children. So it might be a very heavy topic, so I would recommend not having this running in the, where there are young children in the background. Right. Definitely. People are sensitive. So it, it gets pretty brutal in his book when he goes into McMartin. But I think it's really an important, actually might be one of the earlier times I've heard the term narrative in the kind of information war or in the propaganda wars or something. So that's really kind of an interesting usage by Ross Chait, who uh, teaches at Brown. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Was it present? Thank you. And so anyway, they're going to help me out. You guys go ahead and, uh, you know, maybe you could each go in turn about what interested you in this book and kind of do a general overview of what you took out of it. You want to start, Roberta, or do you want to start, Phil? I think Phil would be okay. a better place. Oh, to well, start. sure, sure. That's fine. Well, you know, I started the book as I was finishing Pedogate Primer, and uh, that was in like, you know, no, uh, October of no, or November of 2020, right? So just as I'm putting the finishing touches on my book, uh, I start reading this because I'd read some of his blog stuff at brown.edu, you know. And by the way, like, that that's a big deal. You know, this is a literal Ivy League professor. This is not just some guy with a blog. The, the website at the Recovered Memory Project is at brown.edu. But I started it then. And I finished it, what, like last month. Why? Because in addition to being one of the most important books I have ever read in my life, it is also one of the most harrowing, grueling, and difficult books I've ever read in my life. It's medically graphic in a lot of areas. Uh, and unfortunately, that's necessary because, you know, uh, there's so much misinformation and disinformation i think some of the people didn't know that they were spreading misinformation and some were doing it on purpose uh to spread a false narrative um but there's just so much that without knowing you know the literally what you know the the medically graphic details uh you know it's uh, it's it's hard to read but the but the difficult parts of it is also what makes it important um, but yeah, no, my, my mind was absolutely blown because like, you know, folks like Debbie Nathan and Snedeker and Pendergrass, Pendergrass, by the way, wasn't he also abused or uh, accused of abusing his kids? Um, yes, you know, a lot, yeah, a lot of these folks who are involved, they have a very vested interest in no, no, there's no child abuse going on. And it's like, but, but weren't you accused of that? Or, you know, like the Eberleys and their child porn magazine finger like they have vested interest or the frieds that started the false memory syndrome foundation they have a vested interest in convincing people no no it's all crazy the kids are lying or the kids are confused or you know these evil preachers and and, and therapists and and cops have confused these kids and made them think things that haven't happened uh but in a lot of these cases even some of the so-called 
wild, unbelievable details like, you know, feces and masks and knives. And, and then they found stuff. They found pictures and they found the, the you know. So, like, a, a lot of even the wild-sounding, unbelievable stuff, like, just because something's unbelievable, I've, I've said this many times, just because something is unbelievable, just because something shouldn't be allowed to happen, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Things that shouldn't happen happen every day. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much how I came to it. I, I'll pass it on over to Roberta. You know, it's funny because I can't remember exactly how I bought, why I bought this book. Um, I believe it was because I was just like Phil, Philip, um, reading Ross Chait's blog. And I believe it was because I was interested in capturing the Freedmans and the Freedman case. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of excellent information about that case. Capturing the Freedmans, that documentary left out an entirely <laughs> other defendant, Ross Goldstein, who yeah. pled guilty. So all three of those characters in that, oh, well, the two that pled guilty and the one that you didn't hear about also pled guilty in that case. So um, I consider the witch hunt narrative the most important true crime book. It's so rare that you get an author who is willing to do the work and go through all the trial transcripts. And it's very uh, interesting when you read his notes on how he went through the McMartins, which is one of Los Angeles's largest or California's largest trials, longest trials. And yeah, he said and most that I went through the yeah, and most expensive. Yeah, I went through the uh, the court documents, but this was missing. I found them in another mm -hmm. box over here. So yeah. um, it's an, it's just an what Ross Chait is talking about in this book is exactly what I talk about, which is innocence fraud, which is a a movement where there was this movement in the nineties to free uh, pedophiles, convicted pedophiles, especially around the daycare cases. And it was aided by journalists who really became attached to this cause. Now they are distancing themselves. Yep, the yep, that I noticed that. <laughs> I, I, uh, Dorothy Rabinowitz, Debbie Nathan. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's so it's the same thing that's going on with the Innocence Project. The same experts uh, run from these cases to the cases like Ofshi, um uh, is also and it's a know, lucrative industry too. Right. Like, look at Loftus, six hundred fifty, seven hundred fifty dollars per hour. How many professors make that? None. Well, she said <laughs> she was going to up her up her fee to seven hundred dollars an hour in the Durst right. trial. Yeah, yeah. But oh here comes God. the Maxwell trial, and I was I felt stupid because I announced she gets seven hundred dollars an hour for, but she testified that she's. Still at six hundred dollars an hour. Oh, only six hundred fifteen an hour. Poor thing. Right. How will she ever make it? <laughs> How is she ever gonna make it? And uh, and she didn't get totally paid by by testifying for why uh, Weinstein, I believe. Yeah, uh, oh, really? Oh my gosh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that's what she testified to in the Maxwell trial. But she is someone who really made her bones doing uh, this work. In both fields, in in, in 
I mean, I say both fields. I don't know if you would consider them fields, but testifying for convicted pedophiles, claiming that all their victims are are victims of false memories or having implanted memories, and the same thing in trials that have to do with killers, like the Tim Hennis trial, where she mm. got Tim Hennis freed in his second trial. He's an because she got, she said that the eyewitnesses were the most terrible eyewitnesses she ever saw, and she totally trashed their testimony and said they couldn't have possibly seen what they seen. Now Tim Hennis got tried a third time military. They had to reenlist they... him in the military to do that. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, buddy, um, you're enlisted again, so this is now a uh, military trial because they couldn't go through the civilian trial because of double jeopardy, which made that a very uh, you know, controversial move, but yeah, apparently the military was convinced enough that they they reenlisted him just so that he could see justice because DNA came along yep. and that was very bad for him. So the worst eyewitnesses that Elizabeth Loftus ever saw were <laughs> dead on, and you should see that sketch uh, for the the eyewitness who just saw Hennis at a glance. It is dead on and scary how accurate it is. So. Um, but she really believes in this. And she, she, I mean, I consider, this is my opinion about Loftus, she is on Team Criminal. Or or she even titled her book, Witness for the Defense. She is, yep. she calls these people unpopular or unpopular topics, but she is out to discredit it all. Um, that killers aren't killers. Everybody's in, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say she thinks everyone's innocent, but She's willing to go to bat for a lot of uh, convicted killers or soon to be or or um, charged uh, people who are charged with murder. And she's also willing to go to bat for can, uh, people who are charged with these kind of crimes, sexual abuse. And crimes. it's some so, of the most famous, too. We're talking Ted Bundy and OJ and Sandusky and Robert Durst from the Jinx documentary and Ghislaine Maxwell and 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 Harvey wants she was considering Prince Andrew she and Sandusky. Oh, she was actually. It looked, it looked like she was. She and it, it looked like Prince Andrew was picking up on her narrative, and she mm -hmm. wrote a, a blurb for the back of this book by Bark Pendergrass, who's saying that Sandusky. She also testified for Sandusky is innocent, and that yeah. that it's all a big hysteria. So every one of those kids now, is just confused. Yeah, confused. Mm -hmm. And wow. um, a great thing about don't Ross you hate Bates, it when you when you think you got raped, but oops, I didn't really get raped like that. I mean, like it happens every other week for me. I'm like, oh, that's right, I didn't get raped. No, like you uh, would forget that. Give me a break. Yeah, and this well, is something I want to bring up. Like, I, 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 I'll get right back to you, Roberta. But, like, remember the, I think it's Peacenik or whatever study? Because the loss in the mall study is where they're getting a lot of this. And, yes, you can convince a grown-up that they were lost in the mall if you have a trusted family member tell you the details, right? But when that trusted family member says, hey, you remember that time when you got uh, an anal enema? For some reason, people don't imagine that they got their orifices penetrated to the same degree 20 percent or so not a very high degree of people who will be convinced they were lost in a mall when they weren't but like it's it's practically nil when it comes to oh you remember that time you were uncomfortably penetrated in your orifice nobody does nobody imagines that 
you know, not even with family and friends. And that's the thing when it comes to these rape cases, it's not family and friends usually telling them, you remember this? You know, it's a completely different mechanism. Plus, traumatic memory works different than regular memory. There's just so many reasons why the Lost in the Mall study should not be generalized and applied to sexual abuse cases. Sorry to interrupt those. Go go ahead, Roberta. I was going to just say this exact same thing. And um, there's right. also other problems with the Lost in the Mall study. For one, they, the Lost in the Mall study was done. They, they enlisted some of their relatives. So the people doing mm-hmm. this study. Exactly, which was an ethical We're issue. using people yeah. related to them, um, which is a problem. And also, um, it's, it's faced heavy criticism. All, all, uh, many of her studies have. And people, my understanding is that there, people have had a hard time uh, replicating her findings. So. I, I, you know, some of her things are very, some of her studies, some of her things, excuse me, some of her studies are fairly, what I would consider fairly benign or kind of obvious. Like if you use the words uh, about a car crash, how fast was the car going when it smashed into the other car? The way language is used is what it means. Oh, right. And if you use the words, how fast was the car going when it, went, I don't know, hit the other car, use a different kind of language. So if you use sort of much more evocative language, like smashed, people are likely right. to estimate in, this in, in defense, higher. A lot of that yeah. stuff is true. Like, like I, I think she's done some valuable work, like especially the stuff that she, you know, she've done on police interrogations. Yeah, there are ways police can interrogate a person that can almost convince them that they did it. Like if they're already like, you know, uh, and so, so there is some valuable work she's done. My biggest gripe, like I said, is the generalization of that of, of that research, and then applying it to sexual abuse cases where it's not valid in this scenario. This is a different type. Traumatic memory is not regular memory, so they don't work the same. So, what's true for regular memory is not going to be true for traumatic memory. But uh, Elizabeth Loftus has had all sorts of problems. Uh, for one, she had to step down from the American Psychological Association. Because she didn't have to. She just she, accidentally she decided right. to at the same time as there was an APA complaint for ethics. But she didn't hear about that. It's just a coincidence that she wow. stepped down before she heard it. Even though in the Hoffman report mm-hmm. about Guantanamo Bay, why would she be in the Hoffman report? The Hoffman report where it says that she uh, was warned to two step down but you know uh why believe the government right <laughs> right exactly she's told many different stories about why she stepped down she went after uh-huh. and what's funny about this is that everybody who accuses me of being biased <laughs> on that yeah. side this is the most biased thing i've ever heard she saw a study where uh can, can you describe this bill we're basically can you sum it up better than I can? Which she, one? Where, where there's an, it, there was a child who she believes was a victim of a false memory, now an adult. And it, she was in this part of this 
study. She let herself be filmed as part of the study as a child, accusing her mother of sexually abusing her. And she was determined to find out this child's identity and yes, vindic- and Jane vindicate Doe case. right the Jane, the Jane Doe, Doe case. case. And then and she, she settled that name. case civilly. And said which that that's was, that's a bigger ethical violation than the bit with the Lost in the Mall study, which that, you know, there was mm-hmm. uh, Lynn Crook wrote a piece in uh, I forget which journal, but it was a journal related to, you know, ethics in psychology or ethics in something. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So there are multiple ethical issues with her with her work, too. Um, in between that and, and her some behavior, of the I, mean, her beha- I mean, this is her behavior. She went out. She, yeah. she basically outed this 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 survivor and mm-hmm. and uh it, it was terrible and she settled it and i would encourage people i have a clip of it in my false memory syndrome foundation episode but uh there's a ted talk she does where she describes why she had to settle and boy does she finesse it <laughs> interesting <laughs> the case is called taus versus loftus it's the Gwinton supreme uh, court yes. of california that's right T-A-U-S. Yeah, Taos and Lynn Crook are the two big ones when it comes to the ethical issues, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 2007, she settled for 7,500 bucks. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, she's just one part of this whole network, right? I mean, right. Exactly. She's just one little piece. There's, there's the journalist, there's the, the scientist. Right. Uh, and it's not even just psychologists. You know, Ofshi is a sociologist. And once again, like I said, I try. I try and compensate for my biases. Um, I first knew about Ofshi from his work, his brilliant and excellent and important work, Fighting Scientology. Um, now, who was his protege at that time, Fighting Scientology? Oh, a little doctor they called Jolly. Yes, that's right. Louis Jolly and West, uh, who was head of the Cult Awareness Network before, of course, Scientology took them over. And, you know, we talked about a little bit about that in the last one. But, yeah, like I said, I try and be fair because... You know, some of these right. cults have done some important work. And then on the other end, you know, you've got guys like Bennett Brown, who, you know, on the other side of the memory wars, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Bennett Brown, Colin Ross. I've heard some some suspicious things about him and him too. being connected to some of the MK Ultras. You know what I mean? So it's not a black. It's not good guys versus bad guys. There are well-meaning people on both sides. And there are well-meaning people doing bad things on both sides, and there are bad people doing bad things on both sides. That's right. that's and the problem is it's such a divisive topic that anybody who writes about it, except for Chipe, I love the fact that he is so fair. You know, he points out that yes, there were issues with the way some of the McMartin kids were interviewed, and yes, there were issues with this, and yes, there were issues with that. But even when you take that into account. There are major, major, dis, uh, you know, disparities between the witch hunt narrative and what really went on. Good point. Just before we continue, lest we forget, Richard Offshe testified for the defense in the West Memphis Three trial too. That's oh, right. I, I forgot that. And, yeah, and yeah. a big supporter of Marty Tankliffs too. Oh, jeez. Um, so uh, <laughs> they all. Come, they they all yeah, they all keep so popping up. Of- about Ross Chait, just personally for me, is I found everybody who who does everybody I know who gets into the discipline of reading court transcripts, <laughs> I, I, it changes their politics. I, I think it's a kind of a muscle it's in your brain that gets very developed. I don't know what yeah, a very kind of 
critical muscle. And, Absolutely, and yeah, yeah. That gets developed. And Ross Jade is, I, I, I would have to ask him, but it's. I assume that he has the same politics he has that that he went into this book. Everybody else I know who has this sort of um, experience of, of of going into reading court transcripts and finding out that they aren't what they seemed. I mean, this book just blew my mind when I found out that McMartin's wasn't the way it was presented and the Friedman case, I was just, my mind was blown. And it was uh, I, I, I never ago. trusted our, our press the same yeah. way. So, or, well, he spent yeah. nearly 20 years, you know, you know, the, yes. the genesis of the recovered memory project is 1995. You know, the Frieds were involved in the divided memories episode on frontline and uh you know which which had the line about how there are no corroborated cases of recovered memory ever and then he just uh writes a letter to hey well here's 15 you know and that's where it started in 1995 and uh, then spent 15 years it wasn't even just him he had a whole like research team spent 15 years like it's such a mad this is chase right chase yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he called it extreme research. Yeah, Philip, he called it extreme research and had 80 research assistants. Exactly. You know, so, 80 yeah, so, people working for 15 years. Can you imagine? That isn't I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's really something else and I, I think that I don't and I think he even states that he couldn't get all the documents. So oh, yeah, he was yeah. from what he was he always kind of qualifies his statements. This is what I, from what I was able to get, this is what it said, right? Mm -hmm. And that is that absolutely the biggest challenge in doing this kind of work. Right. Is, is I tried is to go, I tried, documents. I tried to get the McMartin documents. I've already kind of uh, tried to do that and I need to get a court order. So, you know, it's right. really hard. You got to go through the steps yeah. to uh, get it. So it's not easy. And then that's, even if I got a court order to get the documents, then I got to you wouldn't be able to share it. Yeah, then you have I to go right. over there, right? You have to physically yeah, gotta, go to the yeah. I got to do that. I got to go right. Right. I got to go file something over in downtown LA. I mean, it's, the documents are there. It's insane how how difficult and sometimes prohibitively expensive getting information that is in the public interest can be. We're talking information that is in the public interest. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, one of the cases I'm working on the Kai the Hitchhiker thing. Oh, do, do, would you like the trial transcript? That'll be $38,000, sir. <laughs> what? Are you yeah, Didn't me? the public already pay no, for that? No, that like, is literally... Really? <laughs> exactly. What are my taxes for? Exactly. There right. has to be the a better system to... Uh -huh. Yeah, there has to be a better system for I mean, like, these at least be documents. like FOIA, where, like, if you're a journalist or, or, you know, whatever, you can at least, like, apply for a waiver. But there are no waivers that, you know, I think PACER has some kind of program you can sign up for. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Uh, I'm going to try it, though, because I do. I do need more PACER in my life. <laughs> well, there are, you can actually, it's very selective. Like, you can get some of these recent Jufre documents off of a website mm -hmm. it's not pastry you can get it for free you can download oh, yeah. pdfs of it so you just have to find the right website but these uh, recently discovered disciplinary review board lookups are also free and there's stuff you can find in there that is not in the media that is not in the like it's nowhere else like mm. you know i i recently ran across a case you know several this is for over 30 years all these 
uh, people who pass the bar in New Jersey. We're not talking rando lawyers. I'm talking about assemblymen, assistant attorney general, um, you know, politicians and judges and prosecutors. What do they have in common? Oh, you know, sex crimes with children, uh, getting sentenced to probation and therapy, and then a six-month suspension. And none of that ended up in the newspaper? None of that ended up in Pacer? I don't know about that now. You know what I mean? But yeah, disciplinary review board lookups, uh, also free, at least in the state of New Jersey. I'm not sure uh, how that applies state to state. But yeah, I found some I think they're, I think they're free in California. You just, yeah, you just have yeah. to find the right spot in California. But just to give you an idea how important these these court documents are, if I had not had access to what the guy did, I forgot his name, in Arkansas, who put all of those court documents onto Callahan, my position on the West Memphis Three would have been totally different. And I think right. that that's what's allowed this witch hunt narrative to fester. Maybe the tide is turning, you know, like uh, Roberta said, but it's because these aren't out in the public domain because there's so much more in the West Memphis Three documents than was covered by anybody whether it was Mara Leverett or any newscaster, because there was all kinds of stuff that didn't make it into the trial. The very important, yeah. I think that it was salient that were, that gives you a much better idea. The statements of Eccles when he was first interviewed, just all the weird stuff that was going on there. I mean, the, what was that one guy? The, I mean, there's incredible things that never made it to trial, but uh, so looking at the McMartin case files would just be invaluable. I mean, I wish they were made public. So anyway, he had to do a lot of work. Chait had to do a lot of work to get all this stuff together. I mean, I would, I would love to have, make get his his documents on, you know, in uh, public yeah. domain somewhere. I'd but, say one of the most impressive pieces of scholarship in the past 50 years easily. Just the sheer it, scope of work that had to be done, you know? And look how it was – and look how you, – you would have thought that this – a book uh, – debunking a myth an american myth would have blown up uh, right the american media and this, and i think there was a small review in the new york times maybe it it, it caused a little bit push back from the center for reason and justice which is <laughs> ideologically aligned with the false memory syndrome foundation which has now closed its a lot doors. of the same members Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling uh, William before we started, um, before we went live, yeah, <laughs> recording live. What, what, what are we doing? Uh, before we went live, that really that this the witch hunt narrative is about the journalists. Yeah. Without the journalists, this could not. This myth could not be cemented. Right. That all these daycare cases and he goes through a, a handful of them so it's not just mcmartin's he goes through the kelly michaels case the country frank fuster and uh the friedman case many others so uh without the journalists this could not have could not have happened one interesting thing i like uh, one one myth he explodes uh a lot of the people go well how come there's never been a case since and then he's like, okay, here's a dozen cases where multiple kids were abused in daycare, uh, in daycares, and sometimes there were multiple abusers. 
and it's just because it didn't make news anymore. Mm-hmm. They they just stopped covering the like right. they didn't get national coverage anymore. They got local coverage. So it's not that it stopped happening. It's that it stopped getting national coverage. You know, uh, if a tree falls in the forest, it still falls whether anybody heard it or not. I don't know if right. it makes a sound. Well, I just of, know that it still falls. <laughs> well, some of these uh, cases, and I was really disappointed that Ross Chait never, uh, never really looked into the case in San Antonio, Texas, with the six women. I think oh, they were yeah. called. They did a, a documentary. And Nathan, Nathan helped them get released just a few years ago. Right. Really? Wow. Wow. So these mm-hmm. were uh, lesbians who had been accused of this these kinds of sexual abuse. And, and one, one, and wow. one adult uh, survivor recanted and the other didn't. So right. I... I look at recantations just the way the court does. I view them with suspicion. And mm-hmm. because if, if it was a sort of uh, both of them, then I would kind of scratch my head a little bit more. But I, I, I'm just I, I'm just I haven't looked into that. Uh, it may be it may be a case of false conviction. I don't know. But many survivors of abuse don't want to yeah. believe it and convince themselves it's not true for years. I think that's one of the one of the mechanisms behind, you know, I don't know if recovered memory is the right word because that's so loaded and people think of like, you know, you go to a therapist, you have hypnosis and no, no, I don't think it always works that way. Uh, But, yeah, I believe a lot of people who are abused, they try and convince themselves it's not true or that it was, you know, it was my imagination. It's, you know, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Ross Chait. is uh, an example of a recovered uh, he had a recovered memory of his camp counselor abusing him and he and he successfully sued that camp counselor and with other victims is my understanding i may be i hope no no yeah he mentions that in the intro he mentions that in Uh the intro to the book so um the, and he has the Recovered Memory Project. This is a tenured Brown professor. I mean, you would have just thought this yeah. book would have exploded. Yeah. Uh, exactly. This is an Ivy League guy with, with you know, as credentialed as you. I mean, like in America, I'm an Ivy League tenured professor. Professor is about as, you know, like as far as your bona fides, you know, what what what's above that, you know? But no, if, you're right. Have you seen the, the the reviews of the book, by the way? Uh, no. You know, 90% or like 75, 80% are five-star reviews. And then all the one-star reviews are like um, sex researchers. Like, I'm a professor of, of sexology. <laughs> I don't like the way he... And, and then they start talking about some stuff. And I'm like, you didn't read the book. You're yeah. talking about something that wow. he already... No, he, we went through that. And that's another thing. I've, I've done this online arguing with people and then i'm like and then well debbie nathan said and i sent him the debbie nathan tag from the recovered memory project and he's like well so you're saying that and i'm like dude i just sent you the link you obviously didn't read it or you wouldn't be putting words in my mouth you're attacking a straw man i've offered you the evidence i've shown you just just take 10 minutes and read this and you'll see 18 ways that debbie nathan was wrong or you could keep arguing with me without reading it and now we're wasting each other's time, you know. I, I think right. the the biggest part of the people who who have an issue with the book 
are people who assume they know what it's about and attack it without having even read it. I'm I'm fairly certain that's the case. Yeah, I believe it. Cheat has a double doctorate from Berkeley, so he's got right. He's got like I mean, a doctor just, in public policy plus a, a <laughs> law degree, right? So right. it's not a joke from like one of the top five law law. I think one of the reasons that this was able to cement so well is I think what Philip said is right, that it, these things, claims do sound fantastic. Yeah. For example, one of the things that Friedman said is, well, how could this abuse go on in front of everybody with nobody saying anything? And why? Well, no, it didn't. That wasn't the claim. So what they do is they straw man. <laughs> they basically uh -huh. exactly Attack make a, straw a claim man. that nobody made. So another thing is in the Kelly Michaels case, they claim that she couldn't have made this damage with a knife. Some uh, some of the kids said that because it was a knife plastic, in her. It was plastic it was cutlery. The kids said it was plastic. The kids said it was plastic. You and it was the handle, know? not the blade. So right. there's another Debbie one. Nathan, right, Debbie Nathan was claiming that. I know uh, there might have been others. You know, Snedeker and, and, and the whatnot of the lot. But I know Debbie Nathan. Uh, by the way, I've I've emailed Debbie Nathan, asked her uh, her position on the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. I was trying to get. You know, I've emailed a bunch of these people. By the way, um, uh, Dr. Maggie Bruck and uh, who is the one she worked with? I'm blanking on the C -C name now. Cece. Bruck and Cece have not read the witch hunt narrative. Wow. That's what they told me anyway. I'm sure wow. that if a 580-page book absolutely ripping my research to shreds were published, I wouldn't read it either. Right. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, Chait mentions they're they're in the top three of mm -hmm. the major works of the witch hunt narrative. It's yep. their book titled Jeopardy. Oh, that's another thing. When it comes to, of they all, if you mention false memory syndrome foundation, they are all very well. I was never affiliated with that group. Oh, really? Why are why are you saying this now? Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Isn't it funny? And Debbie Nathan has re remade herself as a border expert exactly that's what so, she told me she's like well i don't cover that anymore and i was never part of the false memory syndrome foundation and now all my journalism is about um you know the border and i'm like okay that oh. sometimes no comment is the most telling thing a person can say um hey i got a quote for y'all this is interesting um i recently like when the i news story came out about where loftus was almost sounded like she was saying hey andy do you need you know um she was basically saying that she would consider uh you know joining andrew's defense team uh or as i put it in the email to her the the andrew formerly known as prince which i cannot claim that that is that is the prince a good one, podcast and the sun and multiple other news outlets are always stealing their stuff without giving credit i steal wow. their stuff too but at least i give credit but i'm like so i heard you might be defending the andrew formerly known as prince blah 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 blah, and asked her about legacy issues because i really feel like it's like hey dr loftus do you have any loved ones with reason that aren't afraid to talk to you plainly like i can't say this i didn't say this obviously i did my best to find like a way to bring it up and in her answer I have briefly thought about the legacy issues, ellipsis points, and certainly hate all the hate mail that has come my way because of these unpopular defendants. But I've decided this is a price I have to pay to do what I believe in. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I need a minute. Oh my God. 
the price is six hundred and fifty dollars an hour, though, right? Right. <laughs> wow. So the, it was CC and Brooks was Jeopardy in the courtroom. So he mentions the top three books are Satan's Silence, Ritual Abuse, and the Making of American Witch Hunt. Jeopardy in the courtroom, and then also the Abbey Man, made for TV movie indictment, right? So those are the three. Which was Oliver foundational. Stone, right? Was that the Oliver, Oliver Stone, Stone with yeah. James Wood? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen both of those. The Muffin Man, like, do you know the Muffin Man, which was the, um, you know, other, like, I'll admit the Oliver Stone movie is a much better movie. But, I mean, it it's completely wrong, but it is a far better made movie uh, for what it's worth. And that's another thing about, like, the false memory lobby. They were sophisticated. They had connections. I've got, um, you know, some of the documents I got from from the West Special Archives. Uh, there's an article in like Philadelphia Magazine or something, and and it comes with the cover letter, which is like, dear dear Pamela, Pamela Fried, the you know head of the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Dear Pamela, thank you so much for your help, and uh, you know you were indispensable, and you know I'm sure this was hard for you. No, it was hard for Jennifer, her daughter. The the you know renowned Guggenheim Fellowship award-winning memory researcher who we're expected to believe that the Guggenheim and other award-winning uh, memory researcher, uh, her memory is fallible, but not the blackout drunk who married his stepsister. Married his, Peter Fried was a blackout drunk at the time the abuse was said to have occurred. He went to, he went to rehab eventually and got got dried up but during the time that the abuse supposedly happened he was a blackout drunk but we're supposed to believe his memory over the memory of a, a world-renowned memory researcher who you know i think sometimes good things come out of bad things um she's where we get darvo uh, you know the, the the gaslighter's best friend the protocol for these people deny attack Reverse victim and offender. We see that over and over again wow. in these cases. Virginia Jufri, you mentioned. Like, I, I couldn't believe that the Ghislaine Maxwell defense was basically, okay, well, no, actually, they're just liars. And um, they're greedy. And um, uh, besides, one of them did drugs, you know? And, like, the same thing with the Showtime docuseries Buried about Eileen Franklin. You know, that was one of the things they did. Oh, look, she... She used cocaine and 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 uh, prostituted herself, and I'm like, yeah, that does sound like something that uh, somebody who went from an honor student to that does sound like abuse might be a cause for something like that. Because normally, somebody in a you know upper middle class household doesn't just end up like smoking crack and prostituting themselves to strangers. You know, usually there's some kind of abuse, something that happened. You know, and whether or not uh, George Franklin committed murder, I don't believe he did. But yes, he absolutely certainly, you know, they found they found child pornography at his place. I do believe that he abused, uh, you know, his daughter, Eileen. Uh, I think that might have been an actual case of false memories. I do believe there are cases of false memories. And yes, our memory is fallible. Um, I don't think that Eileen was like, you know, as some people claim, was just trying to get back at him for her abuse. I think like she genuinely, you know, believed it. Um, I think there's one uh, one little subtle difference, though, in the Maxwell, what they were saying, the defense was saying in the Maxwell trial was that not that they were all 
lying, but it's the same narrative as the witch hunt narrative. In so in the essay cases of the 80s and 90s that we're talking about, those memories were corrupted or implanted by therapists. In the case mm. of the Maxwell victims, now the lawyers, the civil lawyers, are implanting <laughs> yeah. the false memories. So it was just a clever way to try to avoid victims. That's a chicken or the egg situation, so, right. isn't it? You're right. How, how did so, they go to so the lawyer say, and then the lawyer implanted the memories? Didn't they go to the lawyer because first they about the memories? Civil money. They wanted right exactly. They wanted right, civil right. money. And, and I don't Maria know. Farmer. Really make sense. Maria it, Farmer it, in 1995 was having false memories about something that happened last week. Wow, that that stuff happens quick, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> you know? and she's writing in her diary. It, it it all fell apart. It was not a good defense, but it it was. They were desperate. It was a pretty good it case. It feels like they her. were trying to it throw the case. case. It was a close case. Oh, they weren't trying to throw. It. They were trying. They were slick. That defense. Well, and, oh, oh, you mean? I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean the the. the the, government? the prosecutor, I mean, it felt like no, the prosecutor because they, they didn't push them on a lot of things. Like uh, the one thing that really sticks out when they talk about the the pilot, and then well, and then the pilot installed some uh, cameras in the. Wait a minute, hold on. Why is your pilot installing uh, hidden cameras? Because that's not what like jet pilots usually. You know, private jet pilots are they also handymen usually? Like, don't you get another camera, guy to do that? I, I know they said audio equipment and video or was it okay, but right. They, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah install were, some kind of recording kind of equipment. About it. Right. If I, had I was a problem, prosecutor, right. I'd be like, okay, hold on. Let, let's let's uh let's talk about that for a minute. Why was right. there recording equipment being installed by a by a pilot? Why don't Would you, you see just the hire frustration though? <laughs> do you see the frustration? As a researcher, you want to know. But right, as right. A, but as a DA trying the case, it's not essential to find I, those yeah, things out to I get a conviction. Right. And I, I think that's right. where a lot of you don't want to overload with too much info because that you know that can with, confuse a jury. I guess yeah, with yeah. Epstein researchers and 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 same thing. I had the same frustration with the Nexium case. You want everything to come out. It's just not going to. And they were just in a, a more inexperienced prosecutors. And Audrey Strauss, who was going to try the case, quit uh, two months before it was going to trial. So uh, has, it, has anybody filled her, is, her position? Um, there's that one guy. He's got an odd name. It's like Budge Binch. It's like short. Um, who's the DA now, but um, is, that office has been in disarray since since her uh, since her uh, yeah her, since she left. Right, the predecessor left too, right? Yeah, it's it's um, who is the DA? It's like Jeffrey Berman. <laughs> no, it's like no, it's it's an African American. Oh, the new guys, Damian yeah. Williams. No, oh really? Yeah. Then who's the so, one I'm thinking of? That's like. Maybe that's Brooklyn. I'm thinking. Okay. Anyway, yeah, they got a new. They got a new guy. When was he installed? I don't know. It's like uh, September 30th, 2021. Alvin oh. Bragg is who I'm starting to oh, think of. He just, he just got uh, put in. Yeah, yeah I mean, an election. I, but the I think just like when they start off with McMartin. 
he on he slowly goes through all of the evidence, right? And I think it's super compelling because he's just showing that these people just they wasn't even published when when the investigation was happening, right? So like I think it didn't break until 1984, but the police were doing all these interviews. So it wasn't you know like the original was it? Judy Johnson was the original one that they were, and they took him to UCLA, right? It took one of the Matthew Johnson, the son who was supposedly originally abused. Do you guys remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She took yeah. her child to the doctor. That's the thing that's so alarming is the amount of uh, evidence that's um, from from parents who took their kids to the doctor to be examined in McMartin's. I think there were five children um, who. Uh, used in that case that kind of physical evidence of abuse so it started out she's seen judy johnson now as a hysteric uh sometimes she'll read things that she's an alcoholic a psychotic and schizophrenic alcoholic after all those years of being gaslit i'd probably be on the sauce and start sounding nuts to people who would you know who didn't know the whole story too she took her kid because her kids because her kid uh was bleeding rectally mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was the beginning of mcmartin's whatever you want to say about mcmartin's it did not start with hysteria it started no, with a, right. a good medical evidence of doing of what any abuse. good mother would do which is bring her child to the doctor to be examined uh with ucla no less something like so had- alarming Yes. Yeah, they had to go to UCLA. I mean, they go to like a you know the best or one of the best hospitals around here, but uh, yeah, I mean, and, and they are very convenient. The witch hunt, witch witch hunt narrative types are very convenient, calling her an alcoholic, and and making sure that that applies to when the first and Nathan has literally time. used the word psychotic, literally, and it's like, where is your evidence for that again? I I, I haven't seen any uh, medical evidence of her. Quote, psychosis, Mrs. Journalist, Mrs. Esteemed Award-Winning Journalist. I would like to see your citation, please, because it doesn't exist. There is no medical evidence of her being psychotic. And if she did seem unhinged by the end of the trial, um, it's probably, like I said, years of gaslighting will do things to you. Also, just the fact that she died just before she was supposed to uh, uh, testify, um, uh, Paul Bynum, also died the day right. before. I'll never forget that. Well, I've got some stuff to say, and neither side's going to like it. Well, we don't know what he had to say because he died the day right. before he was supposed to testify. Uh. Which, you know, two two witnesses dying the day before they, they're supposed to testify. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of how uh, the camera in Brunel's cell uh also didn't work and how he also had attempted suicide multiple times it's weird how sometimes there's strange coincidences like that and you know i i don't want to you know go all conspiracy theory but yeah it does make me wonder right i think there were three people there were two one more person who died mysteriously one was a cop right but that was that yeah, the cop, Bynum, Bynum Bynum was the cop. The cop. yeah. and he was also involved too. in the the class uh poly class case and there was oh, another like high profile case he was involved in. Yeah. So he wasn't just a cop either. He was a, you know, top cop that they, they fired him. They put him on like either administrative leave or something like that. 
uh, because th their claim was he was starting to be paranoid. But after he found files, police records in Raymond Bucky's house, I'd start wondering too. I'd start probably sounding paranoid too. If like, hey, why is the defendant got police records in his house? Now, what did those police records say? I don't know. They disappeared about the time that Bynum was, you know, I almost said killed. He committed suicide, right? Right. Yeah, just like Gary Webb, just like Danny Casalero. And Gary Caradori the, from the Franklin scandal uh, bit, I'm sure he just, you know, uh, he saw so much that he decided to uh, put a bomb in his plane. Now, as for what happened too, right? in the briefcase, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know why we found the wreckage of the plane, but not the briefcase with the files he told his family that he was afraid he would be killed over. Who knows? So, but the... <laughs> The other thing we're not talking about is uh, Ralph Underwager and oh. why this, why this, what the point of pushing literal proud pedophile. What, what the, so he w had to step down from the false memory syndrome foundation because he was quoted as saying that pedophiles need to become a more positive part of our society and that pedophilia is an acceptable pedophilia. expression of God's love. Yeah. So even that was too much for the false memory. And even something about human so wait, touch. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Oh, so, wait, so why was this pushed? What was the benefit of, of pushing this kind of narrative? Why did the press, why is Oprah Winfrey having Kelly Michaels on and pushing this? Why did the PBS, always with the documentaries in no. Innocence Fraud, you always have to start out with the indoctrinate the public with, with a bunch of documentaries. Why did the PBS have not one, but two documentaries um, pushing this narrative? Uh, maybe three, at least two, <laughs> the two are the ones I'm thinking of. So what, and, and capturing the Freedmen. So what is the point of this? What do you guys think is the benefit of, of having this myth? I think, I think it's helpful because, um, it's it's a smokescreen for one, like it makes it a lot easier to discount this information. Um, like I said, it was very very sophisticated means that the false memory lobby used, um, and uh, you know it's like okay, they, they affected the way laws were made. They affected the way therapists had to do their therapy. They affected uh, public opinion through like like you said documentaries. Uh, you know, fictionalized adaptations like the Oliver Stone movie. Um, you know, they were incredibly effective. Like, like I said, I've been talking to Loftus and some of these other people, uh, you know, corresponding with them. And uh, Loftus, by the way, very much did not like my use of the term false memory lobby. She said, uh, what was it? it? Would you call some people who come together uh, to, to, you know, raise awareness about pancreas cancer a lobby? And I'm like, well, if they go to the news and legislators in order to get things changed and change public opinion, yes, I would call them a lobby. A lobby is not necessarily a bad thing. When you lobby the government and lobby the, you know, speaking of underwager and lobbies, I think he was one of the founding members of Victims of Child Abuse. Oh, excuse me. Victims okay. of Child Abuse Laws. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Victims of child abuse laws, they were trying to change the law in Florida where mandatory reporting in some cases would not would not be a thing anymore. 
You know, you, you go to your therapist or your priest or whatever, and you talk about, well, you know, so-and-so raped me. Okay, well, you're a kid, and I don't have to say anything about that so that that can keep on happening. <laughs> right, but no, what's he interesting is that, is that uh, Elizabeth Loftus calls this an unpopular position, but uh-huh, it's yeah, still yeah. okay. You saw all the people who came position. out, all the celebrities who came out to support a killer, an unrepented psychopathic killer like Julius Jones. Uh, James Corbin. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's the list as long as my arm. So why is it okay? Why is it not okay to support uh, pedophilia anymore, but it's okay to p- support killers and sometimes killer rapists like Rodney Reed is a, a serial rapist and a, ra- a rapist mm-hmm. of children. So it, it seems like it's okay to support uh, killers and, and want to get them out of prison, but not pedophiles no matter how innocent you you claim they are it's a good point i think that guy the other guy that got out who was on uh joe rogan's show he he was from louisiana uh do you remember that guy's name because they had the murder charge overturned but they were still dealing with the rape conviction what was his name Oh, I I know it's oh, yeah, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah we I'm talked sorry. about it last time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Um, but it is interesting how that has changed. I mean, now you don't see celebrities going, you know, saying the pedophiles were unjustly convicted. But it is uh there's so much stuff going on. Oh my god. Robert Jones. I'm sorry. Robert Jones, yeah. So they got him, they overturned the murder conviction, but he still has a conviction for rape. <laughs> They never He's talking that. to a rapist. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean these, these are not subtle cases. I mean, these no. are not like close cases. Uh, they, they seem to pick the most, the best case they picked in a while is Glossop. But even if you know anything about that, that, that doesn't make any sense the way they're pushing it. So mm. um, it, it's just bizarre to me. I really hoped you guys would have a great answer to, to why, 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 because now the innocence project is pretending that they don't, I heard a, a pretending they don't know Elizabeth Loftus. I heard a podcast what? with Bruce Bar, uh, <laughs> Barquette, who's uh, Marty Tancliffe's lawyer and uh, what's the guy Aida that, that started the innocence project and worked Jones. on the OJ trial. That's where they uh, first Barry looked. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where yeah, they that's first they hooked up, right? Yeah. So that, now that, it's like Elizabeth, who? Yeah, right. They weird. were like when Elizabeth Loftus came up. That's and what I was trying to, to know warn her about, her. by the way. And she's this on the Innocence po- Project website. I mean, she's the Innocence Project's one of their favorite experts. She's made wow. a video for the Innocence Project talking about eyewitness identification. Basically, they have all their bases covered. If it's a eyewitness, uh, not reliable. If it's a confession, not reliable, false confession. If it's DNA evidence, it's been uh, contaminated, not reliable. Or if it's DNA evidence that they've tested, it comes back with their client. They continue on with their client and they just pretend it doesn't exist. So, it, I mean, whatever the strongest piece of evidence is, it somehow all junk science or not reliable. It's so true. It's really incredible. I mean, don't you think it's an industry in that they're really just oh, yeah. gaming the system for money? It's a lobby and it's an industry, which is ironic because that's what they accuse the so-called recovered memory therapists of doing, Uh, especially Ofshi. He was relentless. You know, he believed that it was all a money game. Uh, Now, that said, I don't think I don't think that that's completely true for either side. 
but absolutely it became a cottage like the recovered memory therapist trying to upsell i think there were cases of that uh, uh and and on the other side with you know no everybody's memory is false if you, if you got raped you didn't you know that became a little cottage industry too but not all of them were just in it for the money on either side i don't believe that i believe there are cases on both sides though where that is absolutely the case well think about it if you're a journalist uh, that's a great story i've been yeah. falsely accused of 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 abusing my my daughter i've been a falsely accused of abusing my daycare students look at me you, you mentioned uh, witness against the defense. yeah it's it is it'll tug at your heartstrings reading that book even if you come at it with you know the the preconceived biases that i had when i started reading it uh it still tugs at your heartstrings a little bit um but at the same time it's so odd that a research scientist would publish this book, which is just anecdotal. That's all it is. It's it's purely anecdotal. Everybody knows, though, that the uh, highest form of evidence is 10 anecdotes, right? That's how you prove things. You come up with 10 anecdotes. Well, this guy said and this guy said, so it must be true. You know, that's another thing that really amazes me is how uh, that and the fact that there aren't even that many anecdotes. And Loftus had like the entirety of the false memory syndrome. Everybody, the thousands of people probably went there and there were only, you know, a dozen or a couple or a few dozen cases out of those thousands that were worth retelling. You know, that, that, that tells me that there were a lot of weak cases. Here's another thing that uh, Prof Chite points out in his, uh, on the Recovered Memory Project uh, website at Brown. Um, you know, uh, they claim uh, that the, uh, or Pamela Fried claims that they never said anything about like, you know, uh, we want to make sure that like everybody, you know, that we don't attract pedophiles who are just trying to, that was in their very first newsletter, which by the way, is not listed when you go to the FMSF site where they have all the newsletters. Nope, they have all but that first one. But Brown, you know, uh, at brown.edu, there is a copy of that first newsletter. And it does very much so pretty much claim that, you know, okay, so we want to be careful because this, this group may like attract some pedophiles and, and we want to make sure that, you know, uh, well, why would they hide that? You know, uh, there, there is one uh, father character in this named Chuck Noah, who's passed on now, who's a father accused by one of his daughters of abuse. And he went around harassing, like this father went around with giant signs, in my opinion, protested way too much. <laughs> like went around with signs on his car saying father falsely accused by his daughter and went out in front Holy of the, the therapist's house and Even and if that protested. works so for me, I would not do that. No, no. no thank you. I mean, just his reaction, they interview him with his daughters and they all look terrified of him. It's just an interesting thing, but thank God for, for Ross Jade. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Oh, it's Chai, by the way. I only know that Thank because you. in interview with Dr. Loftus, I was saying Chait, and she's like, Chai, which is one of the second most embarrassing interview moments in my life. The first being, oh, wait, it's Yates, not Yeats. 
<laughs> right. I'm talking to an artist and well, you know, like WB Yeats up there. <clears throat> it's Yates. <laughs> so it's say it one more time. Chite. Yeah. Chite. Chite. Yeah. Well, once you do pronounce something wrong, you're really, or at least I am doomed. So um, <laughs> for saving this information, because I was just looking for the DA Rice's report on Jesse Friedman and the only mm -hmm. place it was left, it was up everywhere in 2013 when it came out. But now the only place that it's left, the full report, not up anymore on the DA's website is, mm. um, is uh, the the brown recovered memory uh, wow. uh, blog? So thank, thank you goodness, for keeping exactly. all this stuff. So uh, also they tried on, to memory on YouTube, hold there's that. a lot of great videos that he's done, or, or just clips from the time, and they're so obviously from the TV and uh, VHS because they're really scratchy. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but it's great that he's kept all this stuff because without it. Um, it, it, we'd really be at a loss to to even know where to start researching. I'm wondering if it's him that uploaded because uh, on YouTube you can see the uh, the Australian 60 Minutes program, uh, Mr. Bubbles, about the Mr. Bubbles. That, that's what they called it, the Mr. Bubbles case, where this guy mm -hmm. and his wife was, uh, once again, a daycare center. And uh, the kids were saying that they were abused in a bubble bath. And uh, it turned out they were. And Underwager helped the, the guilty party uh, get free. And then 60 Minutes Australia uh, confronted him at his home. And they uh, they got him cussing them out. Or, or you, yeah, he tells them to leave. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, That's so I'm an not incredible sure if, thing. If, if, uh, if, if Chide uploaded that or who did. But, no, oh, man, not it's worth someone seeing. else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's a lot. I mean, it's crazy. There's a lot of cases, a lot more. This, that, this, you know, discredit the witch hunt narrative. No question. I think that he, I think he effectively proves that. And the silence from, you know, the people who put it out, I think is really telling. Like they, they can't dispute it. They can't contradict it. I mean, just Has like you said, Robert, it's just not out there. There just isn't that resounding response that, uh, you know, discredits this book at all. There should have been. And and do you think there there is any credible claim of an actual witch hunt? It doesn't have to be about the subject. I well, there was one. I think it might not have been in this book, but it was wasn't there one that was claimed in I think it was in Washington or Oregon where there was a claim of satanic abuse with involved of sexual abuse. I don't remember that case. I know the, the Kellers. Keller, There's a the Keller case. <laughs> Fran Keller and what was her husband's name, Philip? Was it Stan? Oh, um, Fran. Yeah, Stan I think Keller? so because it rhymed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, they were Dan, trying yeah, to escape to Mexico. Yeah, they had a third, <laughs> which is what every innocent person does. Yeah. They had a third. Uh, person who pled out i believe uh, help me if i'm wrong on that but anyway they just got out got themselves out rewrote it said satanism was claimed which it was never claimed it was never part right. of the case at all it was all that became a get panic, out of jail panic free that card, got them. pretty much they got out of prison they successfully sued 
Texas for their wrongful conviction to the tune of a million plus dollars. So this is not, I mean, you can see not just get out of jail free, but get this paid. Is not just Got murderers it. getting out and suing the state and abuse and committing what I consider innocence fraud. It's also uh, cases like the Kellers where there is plenty of evidence and they should have never, in my opinion, never, never uh, vacated that conviction. I mean, either I one of them. Was, that's the one that I, I think I remember. Where was that? Was, it in was that the one you were talking about? Brands daycare. Was that it? I, you know, I yeah, it. I think so. So, but, uh, by the but way, I, I found that... I, I just found my emails from uh, CC and Brooke. By the way, uh, asking them what they thought about. Uh, the witch hunt narrative. Um, Dr. Cece, hi, sorry, but I haven't read Rothschild's witch hunt narrative. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, mm -hmm. tell me another one. My colleague Maggie Bruck may have read it once. Not sure. He gives me her email. In the 25 years since APA attempted to reconcile the two sides in the memory wars, I've shifted my research to issues unrelated to memory. This is my, this is the best part. I have only a spotty recollection <laughs> I mean, wow. the irony, right, of the various positions that led to the memory wars. Maybe Peter Ornstein at UNC, blah, 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 blah. I haven't kept up. Um, and then I, I contact Dr. Bruck. Uh, Ornstein didn't respond. Uh, Dr. Bruck says, sorry, the best scholars are those who have done research with adults and false memories. I am sure you know the list of characters. One you may have missed is Henry Otgar. Wait a minute. So you're saying you're not an expert because 20 years ago you said that you and Dr. Cece were the foremost experts. What happened in 20 years besides me too? <laughs> right, exactly. Besides victim blaming going out of fashion, what changed, Dr. Cece and Brooke? You know, I really want to know. <laughs> wow. I mean, conveniently move forward. Pivoted yeah, to yeah. a new topic, right? Like, oh, I'm out of here. My favorite part, though, is the um, about rec I, I have a spotty recollection of <laughs> that. Just the irony of that right there. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, oh, wow. I'm just looking at this Keller case and Jordan Smith, who's trying to get, um, she's a journalist trying to get Richard Gloss about was writing flattering pieces to the Kellers. It's unbelievable. I mean, there's so many connections from case to case to case. It's like, isn't it amazing, William Ramsey, the same experts we're talking about from case to case to case? It's incredible. Mm -hmm. it's incredible. I think he mentioned something about that. Have you heard of the National Center for Reason and Justice? NCRNJ. Yes. That's yeah, one that's of the worst offenders so, yeah. uh, still running, I would say. Yes, absolutely. The they're, they're, yeah, they're just still trying to get pedophiles out. They still exist. So, so the False Memory Syndrome Foundation closed, but the Center for Reason and Justice. I mean, they're trying to get out a pedophile priest. The worst um, of the worst. Yeah. Hey, have you have you seen Jay the NCRMJ? I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, this is. I mean, they do not care that their position is unpopular. They continue on. And uh, not and morally um, repulsive, in my opinion, but they continue on. Uh, have totally you seen what they said about the book, by the way? Because, no. yes. like, and it's uh, once again, it's attacking a straw man. They use not one single detail about why it's wrong. They just say, well, it's 
it has all the classic benchmarks of a witch hunt itself. Okay. Wow. Show me the benchmarks. Tell wow. me the page numbers. Do you have direct evidence? Did you even read the book? You know, I mean, I get it. You were blasted in it. And I would say rightly so. But if you want to defend yourself, we use evidence here. You know, you don't just say that's wrong. You say that's wrong because evidence point one, citation two, document three. You don't just make claims and expect people to believe it. I don't anyway. I try not to. Right. And I think I think like this kind of whole thing that he's recollecting was really the attack on the legitimacy of child statements. Right. Like, I think that yeah. that's something that that theme that he brought up mm. and he, and he kind of counters that by saying a lot of times these guys testified when they weren't kids anymore. Right. So yes. that's also kind of part of the narrative. And, and, and what's sad and scary is that people still like that seeped into the public consciousness to the point where all these falsehoods have become accepted common knowledge in the mainstream. People still believe that kids can't be believed. In cases, you know, that's or they're being that's they're done being immense damage, right? Right, continue to do they're being manipulated damage. by the people interviewing them, right? The by CII, the system, for yeah, yeah. Right? I'm sorry, putting those in. It's a uh, just a correction, it's Dan and Fran Keller. Oh, I knew that it was, uh, yeah, I, I knew, knew I was wrong, it, yeah, that, uh, that it rhymed, but I couldn't remember, yeah, yeah. My apologies. So yeah, this is a, that's a that's a great point. He goes through exactly what the children said, um, uh, what they meant, and, and how. Also, he goes through a lot about um, how the, these journalists would take a little detail and change it or make it larger. Or, or um, uh, I think there's w one time when I think he's talking about some kind of dolphins or fish and it's like a stuffed animal or something. Right. It's like, it sounds so fantastical, but there's like a little detail that gets, gets changed. And he talks about, what was the other thing? It was the acronym CAAS, the child abuse accommodation syndrome, which is contested by the witch hunt narrative that the kids are, they, the eventual disclosure doesn't come right away, right? Yes. They're, they're accommodating yeah. these things due to, you know, uh, different different influences, which are like secrecy and help their kids, right? They're helplessness. People want kids, to and fly. especially with boys, you know, there's, uh, yeah, there's yeah, because it's a whole, whole different issue for for guy. I mean, like for any victim, excuse me, survivor of abuse, it's difficult to tell people. But especially because just because of the way society is, you know, men aren't supposed to show their feelings. Men aren't supposed to be vulnerable. And especially, you know, like this is something that makes me sick. Like how many times have you seen where, oh, look, it's an attractive teacher in her 20s or 30s and a 12 to 15 year old boy and all the attaboys and wow, I wish she was my teacher. Like you just don't know. Like that, you know, I've seen interviews with some of these kids, with some of these boys when they grew up, they don't feel lucky, you know, that screws with your head, you know, it's, but, but yeah, there's definitely a different way, uh, you know, boys and girls are viewed when it comes to sexual abuse. And it's, it's a crying shame because uh, uh, it happens. It, 
like uh, according to the numbers, it happens more often with females. But once again, that's going by reported numbers. Uh, I think that it's probably a lot closer than than the statistics show because more uh, boys and men are reluctant to speak up about it. It's it, oh, my masculinity is in danger, you know. Right. Isn't that the foundation of like all of the Catholic sex abuse? I mean, that on right. the boys is That's, that. It, yeah, there's never it probably went on for hundreds of years. Yeah. yeah forever. He, I mean, you don't want to talk about a systematic, you know, industrial scale abuse. The Catholic Church. And, and, and the cover up every yeah. time the cover up and the shuffling around was as bad as the crime because it led to more crimes. So I don't care if you were the rapist or the bishop that moved the rapist. You were equally deserving yeah. to burn accessory in hell. to the crown. Yeah, yeah. That was the guy who became pope. That was part of his job. Like before I, he became pope, he just was, recently. Uh, well, that was just like a month or two ago. Was it that he came out about that? He's like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I used the, to be the uh, the rapist shuffler. You know, yeah. There was a oh, different definite shuffler. It was I yeah. forgot the office in the Catholic Church, but man, oh, I don't talk about it. I mean. Yeah, that's it's it's called that couples in the sexual abuse with religious abuse. So it's but you get both at the same time. You don't just get the sexual abuse. But that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything you guys want to add? I feel like, you know, I just think this book stands alone. There's just so much research. Even the main cases, he adds in all these smaller cases that don't fit into the witch hunt narrative. You can go through some of those cases I haven't even listed, but it's like there's another case here. There's another guy here in, in Reno. There's another guy here. So and you see the issues with it's the reporting and issues yeah. with the trial. And and it, it, it's all it feels like a rubric almost. Or is that just me? I mean, like, what do you guys think? It almost feels like, you know, there's like there was a protocol because so many of these worked out the same way. They used the same like even right. when the argument didn't really fit this case they would slap that at it and you know the journalists and the uh, and the court right. officials and the the scientific experts would all say the same thing and then everybody you know and it just it's happened over and over and over again such for, a good point, for years. Great point man. Really and then they the use those numbers to say oh look how many exactly, uh, people yeah. are falsely accused of abuse it's the same way the same they, they, the innocence right project. Uses those numbers. Look the, how many people the, the we've let out. Itself. Doesn't matter that they're let out on a technicality. It doesn't matter how they get their conviction overturned. Mm -hmm. They tweet out. We've, you know, I don't know. This is so crazy. They, it, they're all innocent. They all, they all go into right. the, the, the number file for their exonerated innocent people. The met, but the, the detailed circumstances of how they got out, are buried. Yeah, I mean, and it just goes into that thing. You got to go back and look at the court records and see what the, everybody's seeing, seeing what the prosecutors are seeing, seeing, yeah. you know. But anybody who's this, I'm sorry, William. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm, uh, anybody who's a serious researcher uh, or, or, or even a true crime fan, I encourage you to uh, get a copy of this book because it will come in handy. Uh, if you don't need to know about an expert, the expert doesn't come up in the case that you're looking at. An expert in this book will come up in another case. It's mm -hmm. just filled with endless useful, uh, endless yeah. useful information. Uh, I've used uh, used this book so much; it's been so helpful. 
one of one of the most mind blowing things to me, like before we uh, before we close out, something that uh, uh, hasn't been brought up yet. How about the fact that Chait and Brup, some of the information that they used or claimed to have used, they didn't have access to. It wasn't found out until twenty years later. They were getting that info from the defense lawyer, and then they had wow. to add him as a co-author when they got caught. I'm wow. sorry. So you're saying you didn't see this info? Because it was sealed, and you're just taking the defense, the defense's word for it. That shouldn't be how research, academic research is done. Yeah. Well, I talked to the guy, and he said he's innocent. That's like remember Tim Weiner at I think New York Times, one of my favorite headlines of all time. CIA investigates uh, its involvement in uh, in drug trafficking and finds itself. Innocent, it was something like that, and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, if the CIA says that the CIA is not selling drugs, then I'm going to take the CIA's word for it. When have they ever lied before? Right. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible book. There's just so much in there. It's so thoroughly researched too. I mean, it's just it's, not. It's, it's very dense. I mean, in a, in yeah. A you know, one of the one of the uh, only complaints I've seen come up. Uh, multiple times that's valid by someone who's actually read it is people saying it's kind of redundant. Well, yeah, yeah. For every point he makes, he, he gives you five different uh, sets of evidence. And mm -hmm. that's necessary. It's not fun, but it's necessary because, you know, the. I think he knew that this book would be attacked. Instead of attacked, it feels like it was buried, you know? Like, it wasn't attacked. If people had attacked it loudly then people would have heard of it. But no, instead, it was ignored. It was, it was the worst ignored. Yep. Yeah, it was just ignored. It just was put into kind of a memory hole type state. It still seems to be, it's still in print and uh, it's available. So that's, this is. And a lot of the material, things. even if you don't want to buy the book is at the recovered memory project, brown.edu, you know, but buy the book. I've only got an ebook copy myself, but I, you know, I, I think I'm going to eventually have to get a hardcover too. It's expensive. Uh, you know, it's not a cheap book, but it's also nearly 600 pages based on 20 years of research. So it's worth the 30, 40, uh, or like if for a hardcover, I think it's like 50 or something. When I buy it, I'm going to buy hardcover because I've only got an ebook right now and it's not the same. I'm glad I was able to export my highlights. That is the only reason why I'm glad I've got the ebook. But yeah, I, I, I like to dog ear. I like to highlight physically. Uh, so I'm going to have to get the, uh, the hardback myself eventually. Yeah, it's, it's there on Amazon. Very expensive, but uh, very worthwhile. I mean, you guys are so smart. You guys know so much about the false memory stuff in the background that I didn't really know that much about. So I'm delighted to have both of you on. Can you guys share where... The work you're researching, what you're working on, where people can see your uh, research and contact you. When do you guys start, please? Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, I'll start. Uh, PhilFairbanks.com, P-H-I-L, Fairbanks is spelled in Alaska. So PhilFairbanks.com, um, you know, uh, if you'd like to hear some of my interviews, uh, it, ones that I've done with people, with other people and ones other people have done with me. There's an interview section, uh, the true crime and corruption section. One of the things I'm working on right now is, uh, a sort of six degrees of separation between 
Jeffrey Epstein and edge.org and John Brockman and Stuart Brand and how that ties into, I know it sounds crazy, but uh, there's a connection to Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Um, I'm also working on uh, uh, hopefully a book link project about uh, the Caleb McGilvery, better known as Kai the Hitchhiker, um, you know, and and because researching that story is where I ran into this whole like, you know, like I said, 30 years of lawyers getting slaps on the wrist, lawyers, judges, politicians, prosecutors getting a slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, meanwhile, a guy that was, you know, uh, likely drugged and raped by a lawyer in, in this town where a lot of these cases stem from, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, be hopefully working on the Kai the Hitchhiker and uh, Ted Kaczynski project this year. And hope to have at least one, if not both, uh, you know, ready for publication before 2022 is out. Oh, good. Well, good luck with that. That sounds interesting. I didn't know the backstory about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. David Livingstone, by the way, I got to give credit to David Livingstone's ordoabcow.ca is where uh, I found the article, which leads to the uh, Das Nets by Lutz Dombeck. Uh, and that's where I learned about the connection between, you know, edge.org, which was funded by Epstein and brand and, wow. uh, uh, you know, all these guys that were on the island and on the plane and have pictures wow. of them with little girls, you know, mm. Marvin Minsky, like some right. of the top scientific minds. And I'm not saying that Jeffrey Epstein and Kaczynski had any direct connection, but by following the less than six degrees of separation, I think it'll be an interesting because it is, it's like dust nets. It's a net. It's a web. You know it's what I mean? Web. And there's multiple connections between all these points. So uh, it'll be fun. Kinda, edge, you know, <clears throat> the edge was connected to a lot of like Silicon Valley types too, right? Exactly. So yeah, Silicon just, Valley, psychedelic yeah. counterculture, MK Ultra, yeah. cybernetics, and Ted Kaczynski. Oh, it's all tied together in multiple oh, ways. Like oh. it's always at least one, you know, two degrees of separation. But never more than six. You don't need six hops to connect uh, Epstein and Kaczynski a dozen ways. Wow, that's incredible. Also, Minsky, it's one connect one degree of separation with uh, 2001. And what was the director's name? Uh, Kubrick. Oh, Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah. Minsky was an inspiration for Kubrick. And Jufre, I think, said she was sent by Epstein to Minsky. Uh Yeah. Chuck that in your book. Roberta Glass, what have you been up to? You're, you've Just been uh, busy, you know. quickly, another little Epstein connection. Uh, Andrew Jarecki's father was on Epstein's plane uh, logs. He was an academic. I want, I believe, I want to say his familiar. name was Andrew Jarecki. I'm not, I'm not 100% certain his first name uh, now without my notes, but uh, Andrew Jarecki, who directed oh, that's the Capturing Jinx the Freedmen wow. and the Jinx, wow. his father. I was wondering was why Netflix I recognized that name. And he also <laughs> oh funded Jesse wow. Freedman's exoneration. Wow. So there's oh a connection That's there. a research And in the Durst Jim. trial, Loftus was at the Durst trial. It's, it is a web. Oh. It's a freaking <laughs> web. It's a freaking web. <laughs> man <laughs> so that was a um, great one that was you're saving your best for it's last. a small yes. world after yeah. all it's a small Anyways. and sleazy so and can, creepy world I want, after all 
I'm on YouTube at Roberta Glass True Crime Report. I am. I have a Facebook group. Come join the discussion. My Facebook group, group Roberta Glass True Crime Report. Uh, you can join my Patreon. Uh, I'm on iTunes, everything, Twitter at Roberta Glass Pod. I think that's it. I think I hit everything. Awesome. Um, thank you. You guys were outstanding. Thank you so pleasure. much. Oh, thanks so much. It's really a delight, and- honestly. To talk with people with so much back knowledge, and you guys are uh, tremendous. Well, I think it's fun because I told you me and Roberta had talked, you know, briefly, uh, uh, you know, online, but, uh, you know, this is the first time we've had a chance to actually, you know, uh, chat like live in person. Uh, so, yeah, I, I appreciate you getting us together, honestly. Yeah, awesome. Well, that was great. Let's do it again soon. Let's find another Absolutely. book that no people have ignored but has to be uh, bandied about, so to speak. But you guys That's have a great, great one. Have a great weekend. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Yeah, stay